0: You gotta have a podcast. You gotta have a podcast. You gotta have a podcast. You gotta
1: have a podcast. You gotta 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 have a podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to You Gotta Have a Podcast. Now, the last couple conversations that we've had on the pod have been fast paced to say the least. I believe I was left breathless. After, at least, Anna and Marcella's chats. <laughs> but today's chat can be described as calming, thoughtful, methodical. You know, a spa day for your eardrums. But the topic we're discussing is, of course, the Mad Max Fury Road, known as the entertainment industry. I'm joined by writer and comedian Natasha Vaneblatt. She's a writer for NBC's A Little Late with Lily Singh and is a creator and star of Your Worst Fears Confirmed, which is on Comedy Central. Natasha was one of the first sketch comedy writing teachers I had when I moved to New York City and and I really have an immense respect for her and and just how much she puts into her craft. You know, she's taught me a lot and it was really, really lovely to sit down and have this conversation with her, and I hope that you enjoy it. Here is my conversation with Natasha Bainblatt.
0: Well, I'm really enjoying the pace of it, mm-hmm. um, because I, so I asked you if you were doing stand-up, because um, I'm just so curious of people who were doing it and now what they're doing, and I, I've done even less than you have. I've, um, I've done one outdoor show, um, mm-hmm. and I think maybe two zoom shows uh and i and i'm just like uh, i'm i'm not excited to do it at the moment so i'm letting yeah. myself be okay with that where if you asked me last a- april or, or no not even when did pandemic when did quarantine start march right
1: yeah like march
0: but to, for me too like my like one of my biggest shows was the last show i had before i think the next day my office we went into quarantine. Wow. Um, and it was just like this huge benefit show for this. Like it was like this like uh, female empowerment show, and mm-hmm. there's just a bunch of comics on the bill that I was shocked that I was like one of the people on the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just interesting to be like, oh wow, that momentum has stopped. Yeah, um, but I'm. I mean, who knows how I'll feel tomorrow? I feel like every day is a roller coaster. But at the moment, we're talking and. Um, I'm still mostly excited about the script I'm working on. And I'm not, I, I don't feel the urge at the moment to push myself to still compete in that um, stand up world where I, yeah, I just, I yeah. want to take a break. Yeah.
1: I completely feel you. I had a similar feeling. Um, I had like a really long conversation with uh, Tracy Soren about this too. Because yeah. I spent, like five straight years because I had started as a writer and I felt really confident in my ability to write even though like I was new to like sketch but I like knew that I was a good writer just Mm -hmm. had to like learn the rules of different types of things. I can confirm you are. (laughs) Thank you
0: so much. (laughs) You were a star when you were in my sketch class.
1: Well thank you so much. You were an extraordinary teacher. (laughs) Wow you made it easy. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But I was I spent five years being kind of like uh so frustrated and so determined to have people also think of me as a performer and mm-hmm. i felt kind of like impostory about that for a long time and then i think i've realized since i haven't been able to perform in the pandemic there's certain types of performing that i I'm just like, like, I just don't know if I'll go back and ever really do live sketch again. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm just like, I think I'm done with that. I've been trying to sell my wigs. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I, I do miss, I do miss stand up, but I haven't felt, I haven't missed it enough to go do a park show. And the Zoom shows I feel are just draining and not fulfilling. Yeah. 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 I, I, the, yeah, all the parts of
0: stand-up that I love at the moment are kind of on break. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which makes it, which makes it harder to be like, well, then what are you, what are you chasing?
1: Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. And I was, I sort of like realized I was like, wow, I spent all this energy for literally like five years, like chasing down and like, holding on white knuckles to like the idea that I was like a performer just as much as I was a writer or a director or whatever. And I'm kind of like, maybe, you know what, I'm not, I think I'm maybe that's part of me, but it's not a huge whole like majority chunk.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, who knows? You know, I've like, I say this and then I'm like, maybe tomorrow I'll feel completely different. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's all transient. It's so true. And also, or ephemeral. If,
0: that's the word. It's all ephemeral.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's that's right.
0: <laughs> I guess. Well, I
1: ephemeral, transient. Well, yeah. Either, I don't know. Tra- I don't know what the <laughs> word I'm looking for is, but it's not any of those things. It, sound, it sounds a, smarter. It's a very pretty word. I want to name my daughter ephemeral. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to play her this podcast. And she's <laughs> like, why am I named this? So I'm curious to ask you. Um, Like when you were first getting started in comedy, you started like in college, right? Or did you do stuff before that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I I did. I I mean, in high school, you know, I took theater classes and I did some Mm -hmm. um, improv in high school. Mm -hmm. And then so when I got to college, I was I knew the one thing that I was very good at comedy wise was improv. So I was, you know, determined. I was like, well, I'll definitely do the or I'll definitely do the college improv. Troop, mm-hmm. um, and I tried out, and I just could not get on the team for the life of me. I mean, I think I tried out four times or something until wow. my friend, wow. yeah, until my friend finally pulled me aside, and she was like, "Why don't we just start our own?" You know, because <laughs> this is this is just not happening for either of us. Um, and it was it was Sashir Zameda, of yeah. SNL fan. Um and um, and I was like, "Are we allowed to do that?" She was like, "Yeah, we can do whatever we want." Uh it's college maybe we can yeah. do whatever we want <laughs> uh, she's always had that attitude which um, I'm always inspired by yeah because I'm a scared little uh person um <laughs> uh, and so we did and it was the you know the best thing that I did all of college um and that was after I was told no a bunch of times and if I I feel like if I had gotten on the troop it. um wouldn't have, you know, pushed me as much as trying to start your own thing did. And, um, and that's the reason I went to New York because, um, I thought I was going to go to Chicago after college. Cause that's like, you know, the improv Mecca. yeah uh, but that's, um, but that wasn't the case because we, as our improv troupe went on, on like, a. Festival. I think it was a North Carolina festival and saw Death by Ruru, which was a UCB team at mm-hmm. the time. And I remember turning to Sashir and being like, well, wherever they are, that's where I want to go because that's the best improv I've ever seen. And that was New York. And I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't gone to the festival and I wouldn't have gone to the festival if I hadn't done a moose-bouche. And I <laughs> wouldn't have done a moose-bouche if I didn't get in uh, to the Weathermen, which was the the um, the other team. That's- the, and both are still going, which is kind of exciting too. Well, I guess that- not now,
1: but – Well, yeah, right, right, this moment. But honestly, though, I'm sure that who all like whoever's the college kids on those teams right now—they're definitely doing Zoom shows. I'm yeah, right. I hope so. (laughs) I guess
0: anything to stay
1: sane. Yeah, (laughs) Um, that's so cool and interesting too because you think you know you always think about the what ifs. At least I do. Mm -hmm. And like, I imagine if if it was me in that situation, and I had gotten on the first team especially with college improv teams or any improv teams or, you know, any anything where people are congregating in some sort of organized space, there's always, like, some internal, um, like, hierarchy or path that, like, yeah. oh, like, well, this is what we all do here and we all do, like, this step, then this step, then this step, and then eventually we're all going to go to Chicago like you thought you might right. or something. And, and maybe if you had gone on... That team, yeah, you wouldn't, you would never have, and en- ended up like on the path that you're on. Like that's the thing. As totally. silly as that, like not, like not getting on the college improv team. know, um, I'm getting real woo woo, but it could really <laughs> j- change the trajectory of your life. In a big yeah, way. I mean, I think so. I think I would have still been
0: doing comedy in some form mm-hmm. or another. Um, I-, I think I don't know, but mm-hmm. yeah, I feel now in hindsight, I feel really lucky you know yeah, that I didn't
1: totally and and honestly really good on you as as like a uh, you know probably like 19 year old kid to start your own thing cuz I definitely would have been too scared and be like well they said I'm not good so I'm not good <laughs> yeah well, I mean, I couldn't have done it on my own, you
0: know true,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, no one could do one man improv, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I guess technically, I think I've seen James Dwyer do it, but <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, I think Alex Dixon did it for cage Match once. I missed it, but I remember hearing that it was I do remember epic. hearing about
1: that too, yeah, the no one no one else on stepfathers could go, so right, right, just, oh, God bless her <laughs> um it is really interesting to me, like. Whether you're a college kid or whether right when you move to a new city, like when maybe when you first got to New York or something like that, like, for example, commercials and auditions. And it's like, well, you have to get your headshots and then you have to take a a Brook and Mary or some sort of audition class <laughs> right. and then you have to like do this, do that, do this. And then it's like, is that always the case? I think the more and more I work and the more and more I, I pay attention to other people's paths. I'm. I, I realize that it's it's not the case, and like I wonder if you had an epiphany moment like that, or, or you know what your experience with that with that sort of phenomenon was like. Yeah, I mean,
0: I I totally understand why there are all of these structures because we have picked an industry where there are no structures. Mm -hmm. So I naturally, I'm like, it makes sense to gravitate in this very weird soup of like, well, how do I get a job? You know, Uh, it feels really nice to be like, okay, well, sure. I'll take these classes, you know, and I'll do this. And that'll make me feel like I'm actively progressing. And I think, you know, you are, Mm -hmm. um, so I totally understand. And I am definitely someone who gravitated towards those things. But when I look back, um, and I think about where career wise I had the most success and granted it's hard, you know, it's like kind of revisionist history, but, um, I think the times where I felt like I moved up a notch was Mm -hmm. after doing something that, was a, a response to not getting something, mm-hmm. you know? So for example, like starting the improv troupe that really changed my life in college. Uh, and that was after, you know, I didn't get into one. Starting mm-hmm. stand-up was a reaction to getting to the top of the L- uh, UCB ladder mm-hmm. and feeling like, Oh, okay, well I, I, I did it, but I still like career wise, you know, like in this, mm-hmm. in this bubble of this theater, which, uh, I loved so much and was very much a home for me. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really like I got to the top and I was like, okay, well, now what? You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and no one really had an answer because it was like, you reached the top. This is it. <laughs> um, yeah. and, but it wasn't until I started doing stand-ups that I, um, you know, got my Comedy Central job. That was truly mm-hmm. from the audition, which was entirely, you know, I feel like set me apart because of my stand-up. So, um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I um, relate to that really hard because like I am also very of that mindset where it's either a no or it's not a no. For example, you just like realize that you're naturally at the end of your road. Yeah. It's just more about like I feel like finding your I was going to say like finding the right pair of shoes to walk down the road. I'm really <laughs> heavy into the I, I swear to God, I don't even smoke weed. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just like really into analogies right now. <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> hey, I say lean in,
0: you know? Yeah. <laughs> why not? Um yeah, I think that's true for sure. Mm. I think it's harder to um make that choice when you're in the moment. Um yeah. but that's why I am especially in this time being like, okay, well, what is the thing that you're what's the shoe you're most excited to wear if I may borrow your analogy? Yeah. Um and so that's what I've kind of been letting myself do where I feel like, yeah, every time i met one of these impasses, it's like, okay, well, allow yourself to do the thing you're excited to do, even though it doesn't necessarily seem like the right thing. Mm -hmm. There was a Jim Jarmusch interview that I um, listened to a while ago, but he was saying, he was like, you know, I, you know, I'm like really excited that I'm a dilettante and I've like always encouraged myself to be that, you know, to try different things because it all informs my work. Mm -hmm. I was like, I love that. You know, not being frustrated with yourself for kind of like dipping into a bunch of different things, you yeah. know, that excite you because I think it does. It does all inform ultimately what you're doing because I think as an artist, you're just trying to make sense of the world. So of course, you should try different
1: things. Yeah, I love that, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna have to look up that interview.
0: Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, it's like a one of the popular ones if you just search Jim Jarmusch interview. Maybe it was after Patterson. Um, okay. It's at the Lincoln Center, but it's a good one.
1: All right, cool. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I mean, because I, I always have this sort of um, a little bit imposter syndrome. y but more so, like I'm personally confident in my skill level. That I like, not that I'm the best at everything, but like if I say I'm proficient at something, it means I'm proficient at it, and I, I, I'm fairly confident in that. But I had a like, for example, when I like think about the way that other people might think of the fact that, you know, I could be like, well, I know how to write and produce and I can shoot and edit and direct or whatever it might be. I I get a little paranoid that people are like, well, you're doing too much. And to the point where literally two weeks ago, I was having an interview for a uh, a gig that I actually ended up getting. But <laughs> in the interview... One of the EPs straight up asked me, he was like, are you like a jack of all trades, master of none? <laughs> I was like, ouch. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm good at everything I say I'm good at. <laughs> that was my response, which was maybe a little dickish and pretty defensive. But well, I mean, you got the job and I think
0: you felt <laughs> that it was true, which, you know, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I feel like a lot of times those questions come from the person who's asking their insecurity as opposed yeah. to the actual truth
1: yeah do you do you feel like you're cause you, you do have a a number of different skill sets so you do writing performing and like you know creating videos that are in your fashion like <laughs> account and all the different things that you've done and stand up and um like do you feel like that uh All of those different skill sets like help each other be more rounded, like in your work. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, especially,
0: I feel like comedy itself too is like is a form that's an art form that's blending, you know. And I feel like should always be blending. So people who are like, I only do stand up, which is fine, you know. Or I only do improv. I do think ultimately, if the goal is to work in television, which it is for me, you know, to Mm -hmm. make film or. Uh, to work in television, I think it's only an asset. Like even at work now, um, you know, I'm part of the time I'm in meetings and I'm uh, pitching ideas Mm -hmm. that um, it's really useful to have a sketch background for those because Mm -hmm. I can look at the news and I can think of like, oh, what's a funny sketch idea? But then in the room or like in the Zoom room at the moment, Improv has given me the skill to hear someone's idea and build on that. Yeah. Uh, and then part of the job is writing jokes for Twitter, which my stand-up background helps me with. Mm-hmm. And then part of the job is making, uh, pitching like, or doing this series, uh, this YouTube series called your worshipers confirm that I do where mm-hmm. I play a character um, and I write these, you know, genre parodies of like a web MD type doctor. And mm-hmm. that is, you know, all those skills in one. So I, yeah, I think it's all useful. And I feel very lucky that I got to experience all those things. And I feel confident in all of those because of all the time I spent dipping into all those skill sets that I think makes me a better employee.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, and in- um, one, I've seen the, that web series. It's very funny. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and also I watch a lot of those uh, <laughs> sort of types of videos on like the the real versions of those on YouTube, like more to do with like food science or someone explaining something like that. Yes. But um, <laughs> so I get real kick out of it. Um, but yeah, like I have the same feeling when I my ultimate goal is also to work in TV or movies and to be you know my the big dream is like a showrunner or something or a writer director type of person in general writer producer Mm -hmm. type of person and i like from from the get was like the only reason i started doing improv was because i wanted to be a better writer um and then it just like what sent me down this weird path of performing a lot more but um from the get i realized that like oh like you have to talk to all these different departments and kind of wear all these different hats. And like the camera department has one language, and the writers have another language, and the editors have a, a third language, and the talent has a all the like. Right. To be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, I think, is such a valuable asset. In the way that, like, I would never call myself a DP ever. But I know enough about cameras to explain what shot I think would make sense for this scene, you know, Right. like that sort of thing. Um, and I, I find it's do you, do you, have you had like, any experiences like when you have sort of found yourself dabbling in something new that then like set you down a completely different path that you didn't think would, you know, end up being a, a big part of your life? That was kind of a big question. <laughs> it,
0: yeah. And I I don't think so. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I I did. I was a high school teacher uh, mm-hmm. for four years, but I knew that ultimately wouldn't be the thing I moved to New York to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that certainly was a big part of my life and um, something that, you know, I like threw myself into and wanted to be really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, but But, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Because I did, I mean, I ultimately chose that.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I guess, I mean, I, you had the show United Federation of Teachers, right? That was you? (laughs) I did, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I mean, just from having seen that show, which I I remember going to see at Chelsea back in the day, and it was great. Um, (laughs) And um, in, in that show, you talk a lot about how you were like, like. I think when in the moments when you weren't being a character, it was like the interstitials where we you're talking about, yes. like, I'm actually a teacher. And I remember thinking, like, that's it's so cool. It's such based on um, a, a real and lived experience. And you could kind of feel that in the show. And that, that to me, even just like knowing that about you seems like, oh, well that is sort of a thing like, like maybe if you had never been a teacher you might not have written that specific show
0: you know for sure yeah yeah i mean i think it goes back to that dilettante thing right mm-hmm. which is oh you use that if if you treat these experiences as to borrow from another famous mm-hmm. successful person but nora efron's whole thing was everything mm-hmm. is copy right so it's like everything that happens <laughs> in your life you can turn it into um something for your writing yeah. and um And I, and I totally believe that. So yeah, it's like, I I don't, I wouldn't have written that show if I hadn't been a teacher, but even while being a teacher, I knew that I was treating this experience as something that ultimately, well, that's not true either. I guess I I didn't know while teaching that I would write about it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, But hmm. yeah, I don't know. I I started answering that question. Now I've walked down a path where I'm like, I don't know where I started, (laughs) but I, I, I don't know.
1: Here's like a, a, just a quick li- like a were you, timeline question. Were you still a teacher when you started that writing that show or had you stopped teaching at that point? I'd stopped teaching. Oh, okay. So that was like reflective of your time then.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was uh, fresh. I had just stopped teaching. Right. Um, but yeah, I was I was not writing it um while teaching. I just didn't have time to do anything but teach. I and, can't like, take, even imagine. Yeah. I mean, I did take improv classes at night. Um But that was all I could do. The idea of also then sitting down to write something was impossible.
1: It's teaching is, I mean, listen, you were one, not me. But it it seems like entirely um, like just it depletes you of all your energy. (laughs) (laughs) It was it was definitely all consuming. But I remember even at the
0: time thinking like because I did have friends, you know, who were waiters or, you know, we're doing something that felt, you know, hours wise was equally, you know. The Mm -hmm. the same amount of time that they were there, but I I think emotionally didn't feel as draining or at least the friends I talked to. I remember at the time being like, you know, I actually think I prefer this because even when the job is very difficult, I know that it matters what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. where I think if I was working at a restaurant, I'd be much more frustrated because I'd be like, well, it doesn't matter if, you know, I plate this steak wrong for this fancy person.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. The grand so it felt a little
0: less frustrating to be like, I'm so tired.
1: Yeah. For just from that anecdote, it seems like a sense of, it might be too grandiose to say like a sense of purpose, mm-hmm. but like basically like, like is, what, how can I phrase this? I'll probably edit this mumbling bit out, but mm-hmm. I feel like even if I just make someone laugh once, it, it impacts their life in some way. Do you feel like with the teacher thing, you were just saying like it, it, you felt that it was more worthy, that at least not more worthy, but to you worth it that you were having an impact. Do you feel that same way about other work that you pursue?
0: Well, I would like to say yes. I think I think <laughs> deep down, I think being a teacher is probably more valuable to society. <laughs> being yeah, a good I teacher mean, yeah. <laughs> than being a YouTube star, um, but. I also believe – man, I feel like I've been quoting people left and right. I Please forget keep it. quoting. <laughs> what other famous person said this, but ooh, I'm sure I can look it up. Um, but it's – I mean, the, it's something to the effect of the greatest thing you can do for society is to make sure that you are pursuing a life that you love and feel is valuable because that will, mm-hmm. you know, help you be a better citizen. Uh, and as much as I think – and thought teaching was more important um mm-hmm. i knew that the thing that made me so so happy was doing comedy yeah. so i was like i think i have to pursue that for myself because um i'll be a better you know person in the world
1: yeah i love that i mean i guess it to society as a whole it is more valuable to have a, a happy and productive person working in the arts and entertainment than like a slightly Unhappy, maybe not quite fulfilled person being a teacher, <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. I mean it's a, you know I say that, and then it's like I think
0: that's a very privileged thing to say, so absolutely, I also realize that for so many people that isn't you know an option, yeah,, um, but at the time it for me, it was
1: yeah, absolutely, I mean, I think that's the caveat that comes with so many things about talking about working in this industry, especially when we're talking about obstacles um because. There's like so many things standing in people's way that you know, even something as silly as like when I was growing up, I grew up with not a ton of money, and other than that, like we were happy and it was fine. but like there was this mentality in my family, my mom was like first generation and um and she, it was just like people like us don't do things like that mm-hmm. when it when it came to work having any job that wasn't like a steady job like a 9 to 5 job. Um, did you experience like anything like that from like maybe a, adults or or people in your life? Yeah, I mean,
0: for sure. So you know, I m- I come from an immigrant family. And mm-hmm. We moved from Russia when I was still a kid, but so even though most of my life, you know, I grew up in the US, it's still the you know, my parents kind of like immigrant passion was to make sure that I had a steady job so mm-hmm. that I was financially secure, yeah. um, so that, you know, I could be comfortable and safe. Um, and, and it was really hard to disappoint them, you know, by being like, actually, I'm going to try this freelance thing and I'm going to push to figure out a way to work in the arts. Yeah. Um, I think that was, um, really scary for them as it was for me. Uh, and I, you know, all also wanted to, be grateful for you know the life that they gave me um but I just knew that it was something I had to do and I think ultimately they understood and also once I started having success they were so delighted because they didn't even know this was an option I remember yeah. there was it's, maybe it was a few years it was a few years ago now which is crazy how much time has passed but Comedy Central was sending me to Scotland for a week um, just to make some videos about the Fringe Festival. And so I was telling my mom Mm -hmm. about it. And I don't even know if she'll remember this, but I remember this moment because it felt like such a victory. You know, (laughs) she was just, you know, out of nowhere, she was like, wow, you live such an incredibly interesting life. I was like, yes. You know, (laughs) yeah. She just seems so delighted. But I say that. And then what I've been doing recently is, asking my parents a lot of questions about, you know, their life as kids. And I just realized I, I know very little about them, you know, mm-hmm. before I came into their lives. And I thought everyone in both of my parents' families was very much like, you know, engineers, scientists, that kind of mm-hmm. nine to five kind of work. Um, and everyone in my mom's family is an artist. I'm like, what uh, are you ta- what? <laughs> Why did you never tell me this?
1: She's like, you never asked. I'm like, this is insane. Yeah, it's like I don't. I shouldn't have to ask. All yeah. that. <laughs> just offer up. That is so funny. I'm wondering if when, you know, over the years when you were starting to just like test the waters, especially in New York, when you get out of the college bubble, and maybe even outside the UCB bubble a little bit, when it it comes to other, um, sort of more dog eat dog professional capacities, like for example. You know, auditioning for things or submitting to things, or you know, working with agents and managers. Did you ever have any experience of anyone telling you, like, you know, well, you know, you're not going to get anywhere in this world unless you have, uh, you know, a high concept pilot that <laughs> is like, you know, perfect for Mike Sure to develop or something
0: like that. Yeah. Um. Gosh, that's a great question. Um. Off the top of my head, no, but I do, I rem, uh, no, I, especially like as far as my, my representation goes, they, mm-hmm. uh, I like them for that reason, you know, that they're yeah. very hands off in that way. They're like, cool, when you have something show it to us, but otherwise we're not, um, we're not going to tell you what your path should be. And, it's and I don't think that's for everybody. I think some people prefer having it the other way, but mm-hmm. I find that whenever I am actually told what to do, I like bristle and don't want to do it. Same. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. I'm like, is it good? Is it bad? I don't know, but that's just kind of the way it is. Um, and for example, like when I started doing stand up, I remember being like, this feels, I think everyone thinks I'm, I'm being stupid because I was like teaching, um, like sketch and improv at UCB, uh, you know, I like 401 or even 101, just all mm-hmm. the different levels. Yeah. And then and then I would go to open mics immediately afterwards and all my students would be there, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and would just like see me bomb. And I was like, this feels like, what am I doing? You know, or it's like, I, I'm on a different, like, it feels like almost I'm backtracking.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but I stuck with it because I knew I just really wanted to do it well. And I really loved doing it. Mm-hmm. Um and again, you know, like some of my like best career highlights are from the, you know, the stand-up special from Comedy Central that now is on the internet that I feel great about. And yeah. All the work I've gotten to do is a lot of times comes back to that clip.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Did were there ever like not even not even reps, but just sort of like random schlubs that were around I don't know, like, you know, people you know when you were prepping to do a big set or or film your 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 um comedy central spot or something like that like something big and everyone seems to have like the piece of advice they just want to shove down your throat like how do you respond to those
0: You know it's something I'm still yes um it's something I'm still actively working on and I think that's something that is like a good quality that I need to rein in that I some I I think because um I came up with sketch and with improv where the idea was the collaborative hive mind is good and they Mm -hmm. will kind of like through that work, you'll find the best idea, the idea that kind of everyone agrees on. Mm -hmm. So usually when I get notes, I immediately incorporate them. Yeah. (laughs) You know, overly so where even though, even though they are, you know, on the face, good notes, um, comedy is so specific to your own voice that even mm-hmm. if it is a good note, it won't necessarily work. Like I've been given so many great joke pitches, you know, it's like, Hey, why don't you try this tag? And I hear it. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. That's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. And then I try it and it falls flat because I think even subconsciously the audience knows. And I know that it's like, it's, it's just not in my voice. Yeah. Um, but it's still something I'm working Towards. I I also feel very lucky because the more I stay in this industry, the more I know when a person I'm collaborating with just like gut just feels so right as opposed mm-hmm. to it doesn't feel right. Yeah. And so what I've started doing is just really listening to that small group of people mm-hmm. um, as opposed to getting as many notes as I can and incorporating those notes.
1: Absolutely. I think like even that, that that small group of people that you know that you vibe with and know that you collaborate with really well. You know, to think of them as like sort of kindred spirits, you guys are on the same wavelength and and must be in some ways if you collaborate so well together. It, I think yeah. lends to more the same the same way that it's 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 more authentic to listen to those people than it might be to, uh like in the same way that it's more authentic to listen to yourself. Than it is to listen to that random person who maybe doesn't know your point of view or doesn't know your style or sense of humor as much. It could, you know, pitch a great thing, but a great tag or something. But then ultimately, it ends up not really being a right fit for you. Those totally. people are more authentic to who you are. Yeah, but I will say, everyone uh, in general, I feel
0: like it is always with the best intention. And I yeah. think the more you know, the more time you spend working on your craft, the less of those notes you need. But at the beginning, my God, I should have been, I should wish I'd taken more notes.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I struggled a little bit with that. Um, taking all the notes to the point where I was like, I didn't even write this. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> I need to throw this out and do something different. Start over <laughs> because like, this is all notes now and I've totally gotten rid of my actual idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a danger in that. Yeah. Um. And so just to sort of, um, I think, like wrap us up a little bit, you know, just kind of going back to like talking about this year and these times and not necessarily the the sad bits, but are there are there any things that like because of the way that like we're, life is going to be a little different for probably in like a whole maybe full other year and we're all having to adapt the way that we work, the way that we are creative, the way that we think. And are there any ways in which you found that to be helping your process in a beneficial way or, 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 you know, just kind of a, it's, it's a bummer, but you're getting through it with different types of.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really, it changes day to day. It almost like changes hour to hour, Mm -hmm. but I, I think at the moment I've gotten into a groove of where, you know, I write for a few hours in the morning and then I write for a few hours in the evening. Mm-hmm. And then during the daytime, you know, I'm at like work, you know, but on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels really nice to simplify my life, mm-hmm. where before the pandemic, you know, I was constantly in the evenings, running around, doing shows, doing mics, um, just trying to fit a bunch of different things into my day. Which I am surprised that I um, don't miss as much as I thought I would. Although, I wonder once, I wonder if it's like a mental coping thing, you know? And as soon as Mm -hmm. I do have the freedom to run around and do all those things again, maybe I will. But for now, I'm just, I am enjoying this kind of slower, um, Pace, I guess, or or at least I'm enjoying thinking about just one big project as opposed to a bunch of little projects. And I also have found that for my sanity, I need to do something creative for myself every day. Otherwise, I feel bad. So that's (laughs) been kind of nice to be like, oh, well, you know, the thing you need. Um, So that feels comforting, you know. And and it's free, you know. I just have to like think creatively for an hour a day. Um, for a project that no one has asked you know me to think creatively for and I'll feel good
1: that's wonderful it's like it's like you know when you get into a good routine with going to the gym or exercising and then you yeah. take a couple days off you feel bad and you're like oh I know I just need to have a workout and then I'll feel better
0: yeah it's really nice to be like oh that's the thing great yeah. I
1: can do that that's easy that's really wonderful um, this has been a really lovely conversation and I really want to thank you for taking the time I know you're very busy and it's Well, I mean, I've spent the hour telling you I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Ah, yes. Let me peel the cucumbers off of my eyes. Ugh, feeling refreshed. I told you it was a bit of a spa day of a convo. (laughs) Man. That joke is lame. Thank you so much, Natasha, for joining me on the podcast. It was a really, it was a pleasure to talk with you, and and I really appreciate it. Be sure to follow Natasha on social media. I'll put her handles in the show notes and check out her stuff on Comedy Central and tune in to A Little Late with Lily Singh on NBC. As for me, we're in the final countdown, guys. So I'm gonna go work on that. But until then, I'll talk to you. Bye.